Rusty Quill presents. Welcome to Ain't Slayed Nobody. This is an actual play podcast intended for adults and may contain material that some people find disturbing. Please see the episode notes for content warnings and listen with care. If you found our show from Graham Patrick's guest writing on episode three of the Magnus Protocol, you might want to start with one of the campaigns he wrote on. Y'all of Cthulhu, our first ever season, is a complete horror campaign in the Old West. Next, we have Bleaker Trails, which is in the same setting. That has one complete season, and the final season is coming late in 2024. And if you're looking for something shorter and science fiction, we have a six-episode Blade Runner series. Thank you so much for listening. We hope to see you around. Our Discord is slade.me discord. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. The year is 1932, and we have a group of heroes. Well, I say heroes. Let's say player characters. Protagonists. That's a safe (laughs) word. Protagonists. A group of protagonists who have descended upon the Athenaeum in Long Island. A rather exclusive club whose membership are people with an interest in the esoteric. These four characters have all expressed an interest in becoming members of the Athenaeum, and they have been invited along to a meeting today with a gentleman by the name of Thomas Major. Everybody's acting Like the world is ending And I hear people saying It's madness It's madness So the four of you have arrived one by one, maybe, at this country estate just outside Riverhead in Long Island. It's located in some pine woodland on its own grounds, and it's got an air of tranquility to it. You have been instructed to wait in, well, a waiting room, not too far away from the main entrance. And this, I think, gives us a good opportunity to introduce your characters to the audience and potentially to each other. Rena, why don't you introduce Vicky? 
So I'm playing Vicky the Viper Carter. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) You see a fairly tall, about 5'11", woman dressed in black, very well tailored, fits exquisitely well, but it doesn't stand out necessarily in a crowd. She's got long, dark hair and piercing, dark eyes. You kind of feel uncomfortable if you make eye contact with her for too long. And when you do make eye contact with her for too long, she seems to enjoy it. And just sort of sitting in a corner, back to a wall, watching everyone wearing a a silver snake ring wrapped around one finger and looking very much like she's sizing everyone up. You called us the protagonists, right? (laughs) (laughs) oh are we about to get a bit of bitterness from you here cup because (laughs) i am here for the bitterness Mm -hmm. so cup tell us all about artie yeah so i'm playing artie ketchum who (laughs) is originally from dallas but they moved to new england when he was a baby so he never had a chance for the accent to catch but he fakes it because he really <laughs> likes the idea of being from Dallas. And so he wears this tiny cowboy hat on top of messy hair. He's got well-worn leather boots and he wears a tailored suit, almost like an urban cowboy type. <laughs> He's a journalist locally, so he carries a notepad and a huge box camera that I'm imagining he straps around his neck. And he is haunted by his past mentor, Brad who was a bit of a superhero private investigator. So he's got some kind of lingering guilt. He's always dealing with that. (laughs) He's got wild staring eyes. And he's got a strong urge to fly. Oh, my God. And uh, he's got nowhere to fly to. Oh, for fuck's sake. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't even done the accent yet. (laughs) Wait, does Artie Ketchum want to be the very best? (laughs) He does. He wants to be the hero. <laughs> like no one ever was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <yes>. <laughs> Someone's about to die in character intros. <laughs> Before the accent gets out. <sighs> Just a stiletto suddenly finds itself <laughs> in your throat. <laughs> Amazing. You don't even need to roll for that, Rita. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> and it's point blank. <laughs> Zach, do you want to try to bring us back onto an even keel, or do you want to steer us harder towards the rocks? Diamond the Doozy is a lady (laughs) of strong conviction and a strong, not so much moral fiber as so much good looks. She is wielding a uh, a bit of a contraption into the the side of the room that is on uh, like actual wheels, like basically like came in like a substitute teacher in elementary school, ready to put on magic school bus for the class. But instead of a TV on top, there's a big wooden wheel that has like spirals going in through the outside and then all the way out. And you can see that there are like tons of stab marks into this wooden board after time and time and time of throwing knives, which you see Diamond is flicking around and and around one of her fingers, just twirling a knife. And you see a set of throwing knives on her hip. She has like very 
perfectly done hair with the finger waves parted <laughs> down the middle with uh, her face being what's it called the outside of a picture the frame it's framing her face lovely with the black hair sort of uh, crawling out along her shoulders like tentacles with uh, <laughs> oh no thick clay earrings uh, on either side and she's wearing a big like rad coat with fur lapels on either side basically Diamond the Doozy has been doing pretty good for herself recently, and things are on the up and up in the biz. And even though it's the 30s, money is rolling in. She's uh, seeing a new side of life that she's never seen before, which is one with a little bit less struggle than she grew up with. Amazing. In front of this contraption that she's pushing, you see a man Think Johnny Bravo, but with black hair. <laughs> but this man is almost like before there were Elvis impersonators, <laughs> there was Elvis. And this man would be like a handsome Elvis, you know, an even more handsome Elvis. He's wearing a very well-fitted purple and orange pinstripe suit. <laughs> he has a giant gold wristwatch on. He has a like jeweled golden ring on every finger, including his thumbs. He's wearing like Johnny Depp bracelets. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of clearing the way uh, in front of this contraption and every single person that he sees he like shakes their hand and he's like hey thanks nice to meet you <laughs> three years before elvis was even born <laughs> we established elvis stole a lot of his material Vicky is watching everyone and calculating just how much cover they're going to be useful as considering how loud <laughs> and drawing attention to themselves they are Hey, Luke, what was your character's name, or is that like a reveal? No, uh, this is Dr. <laughs> in, like, quotations. Yes. Dr. Ira Clevenger. <laughs> you were each met at the door by this steward in livery dress. He's a, a tall, angular man, perhaps slightly too angular, balding with a very thin-faced, deep-sunken eyes, and a smile that just seems a little too wide for his face. And he's ushered each of you in, and said, uh, You will wait here until Mr. Major is ready for you. Do not disturb any of the guests or the residents here. Do you have any rolling papers or any of the like? He looks at you, thinks for a moment and says, no, and then turns and walks off. <laughs> oh, I'll go fuck myself. <laughs> I imagine there'll be a lot of that going on. If you don't want to go fuck yourself, you can have some of these papers I got here. Oh, much obliged. Thank you. Yeah, well, we wouldn't want you fucking yourself in front of everybody first things first. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, anyway. Yeah, we got a show to put on. We can't have the, the final act happen now. Oh, you, you already got a sidekick then, miss? <laughs> sidekick? <laughs> he was going to shake your hand, and now he doesn't. <laughs> All right. Artie's going to turn away and, and start jotting notes in this little notebook he carries. Fascinating. Just drawing on a cigarette with one of those fancy cigarette holders. 
Artie goes to tip his cap to Vicky, but it's already like jauntily to one side. So it like it just falls off. <laughs> just a hat wobble. <laughs> he drops all the rolling papers. <laughs> oh, shit. <sighs> so y'all are here to see uh, whatever that guy's name was, too. Yes. Yeah, Thomas Major up there. Yeah. Um, we came to impress him. It might help you if you remembered the name before we go in, whoever you are. Well, I thought maybe this guy needs a sidekick. Uh, I don't know. You keep using that word. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that, miss. I'm from Dallas, and a lot of people call me the Dallas sidekick. It's a little nickname I picked up. Maybe you've heard of uh, Brad Stevens. He was my mentor. Go through a Rolodex in my brain of people I've killed recently just to make sure Brad's not on there. <laughs> Can we roll for that? I don't think we have to. You absolutely killed him. <laughs> Amazing. You just see a slight eyebrow raise and a, hmm, no, not familiar at all. Sorry. Oh, well, that's okay. Um, It's nice to meet you. Rena, does Vicky have like a calling card of like <laughs> the ways in which she knocks out her uh, her list? Oh, she usually stabs people. Classic. Through the throat. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Diamond overhears that and is like, wait, hold on. Do- dozy. I'm a dozy. Diamond the dozy. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you were saying that uh, you're. You were the Dallas sidekick to Brad? <laughs> yeah. The dude that got stabbed in the throat? <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I, I didn't know that was so public. Where did you hear about it? <laughs> oh, was it the article I wrote for the paper? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it must have made news around faster than you went. You know, from show to show, city to city, town to town, the Dr. Ira and I are going to putting on these incredible shows. We're hearing word about, you know, people getting stabbed throat there's lots of neck stabbings everywhere we go it's how terrible are you a traveling uh person there's some new phrase i heard like serial killer or something like that <laughs> um uh yeah well anyway it was the craziest thing because brad we were we had this motorboat accident and uh I-, I thought he got killed on the rocks there or maybe got caught up in the propeller uh but but they got him out of there or, or i helped and then he was in the hospital bed just kind of recovering and I don't know. Someone stabbed him through the throat right in the bed. One of the most dangerous places on earth. So many people die in motorboating accidents. (laughs) I thought she was going to say hospital beds, which is probably true. (laughs) It's like a 50-50 split. (laughs) Two things I never do. Go to the lake or go to the hospital. (laughs) Do you all think, and let me know if I'm speaking out of turn here, but do you think we should maybe like form a, like a club or a posse or some kind of group so that when we meet with uh, major majors, we can make a good impression like we are a, a unit? Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Hey, we could use them in the act. Yeah, what do you, what, well, what sort of entertainments and baubles can you guys do for us uh, in, our, in our show, our traveling show, Diamond and the Doctor? <laughs> Are either of you good at getting strapped to a spinning object? Have you done that before? And they both point at the uh, piece of wood next to <laughs> Well, Brad used to strap things to me all the time, but we weren't exactly... You're in. I mean, 
that was spinning, but we mm. we weren't exactly uh, doing a, an act, you know. Usually something reserved for the bedroom, but fine. <laughs> Our show's not like that. I'm a journalist by trade, but uh, I did. Uh, I started my life, my career as an architect, but I just didn't didn't really have what it took. <laughs> and now that I'm in journalism, I'm trying to figure out how to kind of meld the two fields together. Uh, but but nothing's really inspired me yet. So it sounds like stage production and marketing. <laughs> well, yeah, if your act involves some architecture or, or uh, writing prose, I'm good at both of them. Oh, we're going to need plenty of prose. <laughs> also, you sound like a perfect candidate for uh, I do a little I can help you figure out what you uh, need to do because, you know, I got a little bit of magic in me. Dr. Ira's going to take you under his wing. Oh, good. You're like a, a soothsayer or something. Well, we don't only just strap people to this uh, spinning object here. It, uh, well, we also strap into their minds. Yeah, I can get <laughs> up in there. I can reveal the secrets that you need to know for money. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I got money. Uh, Brad left me everything. Um, uh, what about you, Miss? You, um, what's your trade? Oh, I just go here and there, see interesting people, take interesting things. You sound perfect. She looks and sounds like danger is her job. <laughs> you could call it that. Another long puff on the cigarette. Well, that's perfectly wonderful. As you drag on it, Diamond is like nudging the other two. You remember, we've actually had a couple of rowdy patrons in the last couple of shows. And, you know, when my whole focus is on and she starts rubbing the earrings and she's like, when my whole focus is on becoming one with the natural world, I can't quite focus on security as well. So, uh... <laughs> In my own mind, I'm evaluating if the earrings are worth being the thing I take when I kill her. <laughs> Artie sidles up to that, that box that they've wheeled in and kind of whispers to Diamond. Hey, if anything ever happens to your sidekick here, you uh, you look me up, okay? <laughs> you have a card or anything? Yeah, it just says uh, Artie Ketchum, loyalist sidekick from Dallas. <laughs> oh, you're a loyalist. <laughs> <laughs> no, loyalist, E-S-T. <laughs> the doctor is sta glaring at, at you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, she she quickly, like, she gives you eyes like, this this motherfucker ain't gonna be my goddamn sidekick. I don't even have a sidekick. I got a doctor. <laughs> I'm a doctor. I'm the doctor. Artie spends 15 minutes setting up the box camera to take a picture of Dr. Ira glaring, but probably misses it. Just as you finish setting it up, or just as you're about to finish setting it up, the steward returns to uh, to you and just stands in the doorway and says... Mr. Major will meet you in the skull room. Oh. Follow me. Sounds like my kind of place. Skull room. Uh, well, thank you, Stuart. <laughs> I saunter after him, <laughs> ignoring the other three. I'll be last, because I have to break down my camera. <laughs> As you're bringing it down, I'm like wheeling. We're like grabbing our, <laughs> our stage contraption yeah. and wheeling it through the door. The doctor had been standing, looking at the camera, knowing he was going to get his picture taken, and he was taking any direction at all, looking meaner if he needed to, but he was he just wants to get his picture taken so people can look at him. 
<laughs> Did I get a photo, Scott, before we head back? No. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> Not unless you're ignoring the, the instruction to follow the steward. Okay. I start breaking it down when it's like <laughs> two thirds the way there. The doctor's going to follow the steward, but first he's like, we'll take it in the schoolroom. <laughs> <laughs> the steward stops for a moment and looks back at the contraption that Diamond and the doctor are pushing. <laughs> he just stares at you for a moment and says, is that quite necessary? Oh, you ain't never seen anyone with necessary props before. You'll love it. Props, <sighs> he says, and then carries on walking. Great. It's kind of almost like a character in the show, too. It's like a person, almost. <laughs> <laughs> so he leads you through the corridors. There are some shut doors where you can hear sounds happening behind them. There are a few open doors where you can see... One, for example, seems to lead through to what looks like quite a good library. But he leads you on a bit further to this fairly unassuming-looking room that, when you look inside it, is just filled with shelves with skulls on them. Lots and lots and lots of skulls. There is a man standing there, holding one of the skulls, polishing it, the man is maybe about six foot four, fairly broadly built. He's got a very neat haircut with the sides almost shaved and wavy hair gelled back over his head. Very strong jaw, maybe in his mid to late thirties. From the cut of his suit and so on, this is clearly someone who comes from money. And he looks up from the skull, and you can see as he does so, the skull... The skull's an unusual one. It's a bit too large. There's either a hole in it or a third eye socket in the centre of the forehead. And it's got a something of a greenish tinge to it. He puts it back on the shelf as, as you come in. And you can see that a number of the other skulls here look very not human. Some of them are definitely animals. Some of them, yeah, you're not entirely sure. He turns around and smiles, gives you a beaming smile full of very neatly polished teeth, and says, uh, Ah, you must be the uh, the petitioners, is that right? You're, are you here to petition for the membership of the Athenaeum? I was expecting, I think, four of you today, is that right? Well, I certainly am. I can't speak for these three. Yeah, we are. Yeah, I mean, I, I could probably share an application with somebody else, but uh, <laughs> yes, yes, sir. <laughs> he looks thoughtful for a moment and says, uh, well, ordinarily, I would ask you to give me quite a an in-depth explanation of what exactly you think you can bring to the Athenaeum. And uh, don't get me wrong, uh, th that will be very, very important. But, well, there's something that's come up recently. And, well, we always like our new members to prove themselves. And I think in this case, if you can do a little task for us, then it will go a long way towards securing your membership. Does this... 
interest you at all? And you being our taskmaster? Yeah, of course it interests us. You mean together? (laughs) (laughs) I suppose you wouldn't all have to do it together, but uh, if any of you think you have what it takes to put in an individual application and bypass all this, then I suppose we should talk, but I don't imagine that would go well for you. Very well. Uh, sir, I've, I've got to ask you about this room. Hmm. The one we just went through, the library, were those Corinthian columns? I mean, that was like an architectural <laughs> marvel. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. C- Corinthian, I'm sure. Oh, God. It's beautiful. Uh, though, if you ask me, I couldn't tell you a Corinthian from a Doric column, but it's all the same to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I get it. And are the rooms, like, designated by, like, numbers and letters? Because when I walked in here, the way you were holding that skull, I was like, what, is this room 2B? Or is it not 2B? (laughs) (sighs) Completely over Artie's head. (laughs) More educated than I thought, at least. (laughs) I'm here for two things, puns and throwing knives. The doctor is just laughing his ass off at that. (laughs) and like (laughs) clapping (laughs) meanwhile after 15 minutes with Artie Vicky is starting to wonder if Brad put the hit out on himself (laughs) (laughs) so if this is the skull room was that the book room or do y'all I mean that's a good question thank you I believe an architect might refer to that as a library but I didn't know the you know the uh the nomenclature guide. Uh. Can we get down to business, <laughs> folks? So is this the school, Brary? <laughs> he just blinks at you, shakes his head, and says, anyway, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> we didn't come all this way to just give you a piece of paper that says that we're good enough to be here. We're going to prove it to you in some way. I've been proving it with the doctor here all over the country, drawing crowds for our lewd and wild shows, but uh, I'm here to I'm here to show off my skills in the real world now because we have a connection. The doctor does a, a Vanna White to the uh, spinning. <laughs> <laughs> Do you travel everywhere with that? Well, we haven't been everywhere yet. <laughs> well, good luck, I suppose. I think in future, you are quite welcome to leave that to the coat check. (laughs) I mean, that's perfectly all right. We might need to on our way out, but uh, it it depends. I don't think they frequent the sort of places where coat checks are a regular thing. Oh, Diamond, uh, like, pets the fur lapels on either (laughs) side of her coat, and they're like, well, it does seem that some objects are uh, actually worth enough to keep on yourself at all times, honey. (laughs) Well, I think you'll find that my references are exemplary. And then he hands the guy a resume for Brad. And it just says Brad at the top. And that's everything that Brad ever accomplished before he died. Um, if, you, if you have any questions about that, um, well, we can't talk to Brad. But um, I, I could like uh, uh, get another reference, maybe Brad's mom. I know a medium named Mary. We could talk to her. Maybe she could talk to Brad for us. Oh, I'm sure that won't be necessary. (laughs) Yeah, we could find out who killed him. (laughs) 
<laughs> None of this is even remotely necessary, no. Oh, she's a medium? I- I'm a small. Uh, <sighs> are we having uniforms? Is that what's happening here? Because <gasps> I would really like that. I, I did bring a cape, but I-, I promised I wouldn't wear it until we did something really spectacular. Vicky is twisting the silver snake ring on her finger. Little <laughs> emerald eyes are sort of sort of glinting in the light. And this is what she does when she's really trying hard not to be murderous. <laughs> it is difficult. That's a party ring you got there, miss. Thank you. It's a graduation present. <laughs> okay, where where'd you where'd you graduate from? I went to UT Dallas. Oh, wait, no, I didn't. We moved away when I was a little baby, didn't we? Mm -hmm. Um, As fascinating as all this backstory is, (laughs) says Major, (laughs) what I really want to ask you is, what do you know about Leng? It's not the only thing that matters. Gur also matters. (laughs) Have we heard that name before? Is this time for a Cthulhu Mythos roll? You can give me a Cthulhu Mythos roll. I rolled a 90 out of 10, so now... Oh, oh. <laughs> you wrote a four. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh, blimey. Right off the jump. Nice. I'm going to keep my luck unless we're going to get something double if I pass two. You certainly then, Diamond, have heard the name Leng. You've heard mention of it and you are aware that there's perhaps some confusion over what precisely Leng is. It's a place, but depending on the sources you've heard it from, it's either somewhere that people encounter in their dreams, it might be a plateau somewhere near Tibet, or it could even be in the Antarctic. Okay, yeah, 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 you were talking about Ling. Oh, Ling. I didn't know you were saying Lang. When you said Ling, I thought you said Ling. (laughs) No, yeah, of course, Lang. You know, people aren't too sure about whether it is a place or like a plateau in Tibet or a place within your dreams. Oh, maybe it's in Antarctica or maybe it's like the best way to order street tacos. There's a lot (laughs) of different. The doctor is nodding his head. He has no idea what is happening. (laughs) Yeah, Major nods and says, oh, yes, yes, you should talk to Bernice about that. She has her theories as well. But um, if you're aware of, of Leng, have you met Randolph Carter at any stage? Frightful bore. Frightful bore. Oh, Randy? The the terrible the guy with the tusks? What? No, no. Not not physically, you know, but you know, it's the it's the the aura that he gives off and such is like get away from me, like stay away from my mouth. No, 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 different kind of board, different kind of oh, board. different he's, guy. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, he's. Um... Thank God, dude. <laughs> that guy sucks. The name sounds vaguely familiar, but no, he went missing a while back, so he's not terribly important. Reviewing the Rolodex again. (laughs) (laughs) You're pretty sure you didn't kill him, but who can tell these days? No, it's it's so difficult to tell. Mm. But yes, he spoke all about encountering Leng in dreams, and um, there was all sorts of stuff to do with mountains, mountains, mountains that walked around. Really, we're interested in those mountains. 
we've done a bit of research and obviously, as I said, conflicting sources and, oh, I mean, the last thing you want to do is rely on that Carter. He wrote the most dreadful rubbish. But he did suggest that there were these living mountains somewhere around Leng, and we wonder whether you might be able to, well, find us one. A walking mountain? Yes, yes, yes. But you, you, you understand that if these things are living creatures, they must have young, or maybe they even lay eggs or something like that. If you, if you can get a small one. Like a baby mountain. Exactly. How much money? Money? Oh, no, we're not talking about money. This is... Oh, yeah, we get in here, and that's how we make the money. Yeah, sorry. And once we're members of the Anathenium, then we can really start rolling in it with all of our connections. Not Rolodexes. So you said this place, no one knows where it is, but we got to go there and get a baby mountain? Exactly. I'm glad you've caught up here. What happened to your Elvis voice? It's not real. (laughs) (laughs) What would you call a sidekick to a baby mountain? Dead. I'm sorry, miss? (laughs) Oh. Right. Uh, Well, good thing I'm not one of them. (laughs) Hill boy. Hill Billy. (laughs) Hill Billy. (laughs) I like that. I think you have just changed Artie's character arc with one word. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, all right, well, um, how do we get started? Do you have like a map? The best thing to do is talk to Bernice. If she's much better read on these things than I am, maybe she can point you in the right direction. Or if not, she at least give you some interesting avenues to pursue. And if Bernice doesn't know, we can, she looks at everyone straight in the eyes, we can pray. Oh, that won't help. (laughs) I can tell you that much. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any of Randolph's stuff, like, that I could hold on to and maybe think real hard? (laughs) Yeah, like any of his hair. Or like a shoe. Or like a breath caught in a bottle. Or secret diary filled with all the secrets. We do have some letters from him. Oh, love letters. Or like some dynamite that he held on to, maybe. <laughs> the doc is like, huh, that could work. <laughs> letters are dull. I'll see what the chumley can find some of those for you. In the meantime, I'll get him to take you to talk to Bernice. Have you got any other questions for me before you start on this? Why did you join the Anathenium? Oh, I'm, I'm a legacy. <laughs> oh, okay. So your dad's dad? Mm, well, not quite. Oh, what do you mean? Have you been in it from the beginning? The fewer questions about that, the better. Interesting. Are you, like, crazy old? Like, are you... Do you <laughs> look really, like, young for your age? Anyway, he says, ring your bell. <laughs> Chumley! I want to live forever! This is great! This is the best possible news! (sighs) The doc points at the skull with three eyes and is like, what's that? He looks at it, looks back at you, looks at it, looks back at you and says, that is a skull. You asked if we had any questions. (laughs) And boy, howdy, do we got some more. (laughs) What is it that makes you so convinced these 
walking mountains are real. Uh, Carter may, as I said, may be a, a bit of a dullard at times, or maybe I should be talking about him in the past tense, though admittedly some of the members of the Athenaeum do claim to have encountered him in dreams recently, so who knows. Uh, but uh, he was generally right about a lot of details, if he could get through his interminable prose. That's why I don't read very much. It's all interminable these days. Oh. Very well. Well, well some, uh, some news organizations are still doing good work. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and if one were to bring back one of these, you would guarantee membership? I think it would at least go a long way towards securing it. Mm. How are we going to get something that big? On our boat or motorcycle or whatever our mode of transport is. I'll be in the sidecar. Diamond slaps the stage thing and is like, we're pretty good at moving stuff around from place to place. <laughs> he, he just looks at the four of you and says, well, uh, that is your problem. As far as I'm concerned, I have asked you to bring me one of these. The method you use for doing so is entirely up to you. Consider it an exercise in ingenuity. Well, it sounds like my new friends here are in a fencing business, so I think we'll figure it out. <laughs> Diamond does like a miming a sword pose and, and stab toward Vicky. <laughs> oh, no. And then throws Ooh. up both of her hands and is like, I'm just playing with you. I'm just playing with you. We're going to live forever. Vicky is very much <laughs> not, or at least trying not to think about the two knives strapped to her thighs at the moment <laughs> wishing she had a third one but she's got a gun so if she has to she can take care of all three of them uh right hey uh if there's two of these things can we keep one for ourselves <laughs> i suppose so yes Artie has left he's in the library looking up uh anything <laughs> he can find on the walking mountains and lang so you've just wandered off stroking Corinthian columns. Well, yeah, they. it sounded like it was ending, like they were going to go talk to Bernice, so he wanted to get a head start on the library. The rest of you turn around and you see, I mean, for a start, Artie's wandered off, and then the steward is there in the doorway, and Major looks at him and says, uh, Chumley, take these ladies and this gentleman, and uh, where, where did the little one go? I think he went to go see your, uh, what he referred, what was it, the book room? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yes. Take these visitors to go and see Bernice and see whether you can find the other one before he gets into trouble. You're probably too late. Well, let's cut to Artie. So Artie has just gone wandering off down the corridors of the Athenaeum. If you're heading straight to the library... Do you know where it is? And you can find it fairly easily. And looking inside, it, it's a fairly spacious room. It's got tall shelves going up. It looks like the building itself is on two stories, but it looks like the library occupies both stories. The bookshelves go all the way up, and there's a sort of mezzanine that goes around and ladders going up number of reading tables 
with a, a variety of odd-looking people sitting around going through manuscripts and old books. Nerds. Wow. Somebody should write about this architecture. And then I think, like, if the camera panned out, you would see a light bulb over his head. <laughs> He's going to start looking for books on Tibet and anything he can find on Lang. Because he felt lost while Diamond seemed to know everything. You could give me a library use role. I would love to burn this library down. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, almost. <laughs> I rolled a 94. Could I push the role? I'm pretty good at library use. Could yeah. I push the role by getting on the ladder and going to the second level of books? You absolutely could. So, yeah, as I said, I mean, this is, for what is a private library, quite a large selection of books. And just trying quickly to make sense of how they're organized is enough of a challenge. Mm. But yes, if you start scurrying up ladders and looking around, I'm sure that can work to your advantage. Oh, this ladder seems pretty old. Huh? <laughs> Ooh. Oh, I rolled an 11. That's a hard success. Woo! <laughs> so yes, against the odds, you do get onto the ladder. And the, the ladder is one of those ones that's got wheels on the bottom. So oh, yeah. you do scoot along perhaps a little more than you mean to. And you suddenly find yourself nose to nose. Well, nose to nose. Books don't have noses. <laughs> nose to spine. In the book room, they do. <laughs> yeah. Like some of them are bound in human skin. So maybe some of them do have noses. <laughs> <laughs> but you do find yourself looking at a section that it doesn't really seem to be about Tibet, but there is a section that seems to have dream journals. Ooh, yeah, he's not going to be able to resist those. I'd like to take the most interesting one and start thumbing through it while standing on the ladder. <laughs> okay, so while Chumley walks the rest of you down the corridor to the library, you come in and there's... Artie hanging precariously off this ladder, looking at this book about 15 feet off the ground. Howdy. You're going to be sidekicking very soon if you don't get down off there. No, I, I found something. I think actually, I think the doctor might really like this one. The doctor immediately runs below him. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Artie will drop the book into, into the hands of Dr. Ira. He like looks at it and he's like, oh, uh, maybe. <laughs> he wants to see if there's any pictures in the book. <laughs> first things first. There are some drawings and a few maps, hand-drawn maps in there. Yeah. Yeah, pretty interesting. Come on down. <laughs> I, I knew it. Artie's just thinking in his head, like, maybe the doctor, like, needs a sidekick, too. And he could split off from Diamond. So he's he's just working a bunch of different angles now in his mind. Um, yeah, I, I don't mind thumbing through that with you. I mean, I, I've had dreams before. Um, they're mostly about, like, little cats that have human hands. But um, anyway, what we got here? The doctor's a little bit scared. <laughs> Bizarrely, just as he says that, the doctor's flicking past some drawings of cats. <laughs> And then he looks at his own hands. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Vicky, get in here. Chumley is, is standing there patiently looking at you, saying, I was instructed to take you to see 
Dr. Surprise. <laughs> I'm sorry, her name is Dr. Bernice Surprise? Yes. Does she have a brother named Shia? Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Chumley sighs deeply and says, I would advise you not to make jokes about her name. I think you will find that Dr. Surprise doesn't have much of a sense of humor about such things. You can't spell Bernice without nice, and, and you can't spell Chumley without chum. The doc thinks that this is one of the smart... How old is Artie? Uh, 24. <laughs> it is one of the smartest kids he's ever met in his life. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> he immediately like looks at Diamond and is like, sidekick. Sidekick? 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 This guy right here? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can't spell Chumley without mulch. That's what we're always saying. <laughs> he can read all the books that we're supposed to read and tell us what's in it. That's exactly right. Oh, I've always wanted to have a reader. <laughs> and now the doc thinks he's cool. I think we have an appointment to keep <laughs> in my line of work. It doesn't do well to be late. Right. Uh, oh, should we like jump out and surprise her? I think the irony oh. would be amazing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dr. Ira likes the idea and hears not the word irony, but his name followed by other sounds. <laughs> He's like, what's up with my knee? People do love being surprised, I've found. Not for very long, but you know. <laughs> we could at least yell it when we jump into the room. Yeah, it's a, it's a good idea. Um, I'll go last. <laughs> <laughs> okay, take us to Dr. All Surprise. Right, yeah, Mulchi, take us down there. So what are you doing about the book that Artie found? Hold it. <laughs> Chumley looks at you and says, uh, books are not to be removed from the library. We're going to come back with the mountain, so we'll just keep the, uh, safe the whole time. Well, hang on there, Chumley. I believe in uh, freedom of information, and I think that you should let us borrow this book. Uh, the, you know, I work for the press, and I think it's important to keep the, uh, the people informed of what's going on here in these uh, DreamWorks and such. Yeah, and the Pixar's, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> all of it. He looks at you with his deep, hollow eyes and just says, no. Oh, well, maybe we give it a skim then, uh, Doctor. Yeah, you seem like you got it. I looked at the pictures already. Okay, I'll skip the pictures and see what the text is all about here. Um, why is my English so bad? Uh, anyway, um, you take the pictures, I'll take the words. The doctor looks around and he's like, so this is why they call it the book room. <laughs> Amazing. Um uh, if I could skim the book, Scott, I will. It looks like it's going to take you a bit of time to skim through this. So you've got a choice. Either you can stay behind and go through this. You could try to steal the book or you could abandon it and go off uh, with the others to meet Dr. Surprise. I think that right now Artie's trying to impress Diamond and Dr. Ira. So he's going to stay back and learn something from this book while they meet Dr. Surprise. If, if you three could just go meet with Dr. Surprise and, uh, and, and uh, apprise me of what's going on later, I'll stay back here and, and figure out what's going on with these spooky dreams. Hey, kid, I have one alternative idea. Oh, okay. If I'm lucky, it'll work. 
<laughs> Brad said adaptability was my top strength. <laughs> we want you with us in there just because sidekick tryouts, you know? And he gives him a big wink. <laughs> oh, no shit. Uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm just going to try to steal this book then. As we're all giving eyes to each other, being like, I could steal it better than you. Like, <laughs> like all of us are like, I could do this. The doctor has his hand out expecting the book. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, yeah, I will, I will gladly hand it over. I just like the idea that the least competent person, though, is the one who's trying to steal it. <laughs> <laughs> the doc wants to look at Chumley and say, oh, what's this? And reach behind his ear while he's like... Putting the book away in his the back of his pants. <laughs> okay, if you want to give me a sleight of hand roll. I do want to do that. I will give you a bonus die on it. <laughs> if you are distracting him by pulling a coin out of his ear or something, then yes. <laughs> An odd seven ought to do it on a <laughs> 70. Wow! <laughs> Okay, so you have just stolen this dream journal. What, you've tucked it down the back of your pants or something, have you? So he, from behind his ear, produces a coin. <gasps> he kind of flicks it up with his thumb at Chumley and gives him a wink. Oh, do me, do me. He's like <laughs> leaning forward. Chumley grabs the coin out of the air, looks at it, and says, This is a coin, yes. He's going to try to, in one swift motion, grab the coin, put it behind Artie's ear, and show it to Artie. <laughs> he's speechless. He's, he's, he's slack-jawed, just staring at it. And he flips the coin at Artie. Let's go, kid. Artie catches it in his mouth. Thank you so much, Chumley. Wow, in your mouth. Wow, thank you so much, Chumley. That That's was amazing. so dirty. All right. Wow, gross. <laughs> Do you know where those things have been? Everybody's touched a coin. Vicky, did you see that? Oh, pulls it out. Mm, I see tetanus, yes. <laughs> tetanus, is that another member of the Athenaeum? <laughs> Just walk <laughs> off after Chumley. <laughs> <laughs> it's madness. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thank you for listening to Ain't Slayed Nobody. For ad-free episodes, lots of bonus content, and special programming, please join our Wolf Pack at patreon.com slash ain't slayed. Or subscribe to Ain't Slayed Nobody Plus at Apple Podcasts. Nothing helps the show more than becoming a subscriber. See our show notes for full credits, and help us grow by posting friendly reviews and spreading the word to your friends and followers. Thank you, and good luck out there.